Hello, you're listening to the podcast of Bay Ridge Christian Church. Each Sunday, our aim is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ from the text of the Bible and to catalyze the hearts of our hearers to love and gratitude towards God and all of His creation. We hope you enjoy this teaching, and we pray that you will be encouraged to trust in Jesus today. Uh, Before we dive into the scripture this morning, I want to remind you again of another resource we have. Uh, Every Wednesday, we drop an article on our blog. Right now, I'm actually... Uh, just copying over from an article that I read a while back uh, by, I believe it was Trevin Wax, but it's a guide to Christian denominations, each week going through one, not trying to say this one's better than that, but but understanding the distinction between non-denominational churches, what's the distinction between Roman Catholicism, Eastern Orthodoxy, what's a Presbyterian, what's a Baptist, what are, what are the kind of the basic distinctives of each? And a lot of Christians don't really fully understand. We kind of know what we've grown up with, but don't know much about other Christian groups. So if you're interested in that, uh, I'd encourage you to take a look. They're very short. Again, in just a couple of minutes, you can read it. Uh, it's worthwhile, but that's coming out every Wednesday. And you can also look through past blog things where we've gone through how we got our Bible uh, I've done some book recommendations, different things like that. So it's just a, another chance to grow. Uh, every Wednesday, you can access it right from the main page on our church's webpage. We're going to be taking uh, just two weeks off from our series in the Gospel of Mark to talk about a couple of things as we head towards Easter. Much of the Christian church celebrates what's known as Lent, uh, which is not something that's commanded in the Scripture, but it's really a time to prepare as we head towards Good Friday and towards Easter Sunday for the church to take time and to really focus in and to, uh, oftentimes it's a season of fasting, but uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit more next week where we talk about the real purpose in it always, if we're thinking biblically, is to fast from one thing so that we can focus more attention to feast on another thing. And so just for the next two weeks, we're going to do that. And today we're going to be looking at when less is more. And we're going to be looking at Luke uh, chapter 10, uh, the last few verses, verse 38 to 42. And this is the famous story of um, Martha and her sister Mary. So we're going to be opening up. You can follow along in your booklets or up on the screen. I encourage you, hear now the word of your Savior and Lord. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Different cultures in the world kind of develop different characteristics and traits, and one of the character traits of America is we are the culture of more. America, as a culture, from early on has tended to believe that more and bigger is better. We are the culture of big and better. We're a culture of maximum choices and supersized meals. 
right? Uh, I've talked to even missionaries who say one of the biggest adjustments they have when they come back to America on furlough, walking into a grocery store can cause them deep anxiety in their soul because they're used to walking in and if you're going in to get something to drink, you have like two choices. In America, it's like you've got two aisles worth of choices all of the different types of cereal and whatever you want. And, and it can almost cause a paralysis that they don't know what to do. There's so many choices. People from overseas also comment when they visit. If you read uh, boards, I've done this before. What's it like to visit America for the first time? One of the things that they comment on is, my Lord, I walk into a restaurant and the amount of food that is given to me, who could possibly eat all of that? And the answer is Americans can eat all of that, right? We are a culture of, of you know, bigger and more choices. The issue with that can be, or one of the issues with that can be, that as a result, we're a culture of busy, nonstop activities. If more is better, if bigger is better, then a wonderful life, a full life, is characterized by having as much stuff shoved in it as one possibly can. So I remember hearing a guy uh, talking, he was actually from Africa, and after he'd been in America for a number of months, his family started saying, you are so American now. And he said, how am I so American now? And they said, because when we ask you how you are, you always say, busy, busy, because that's the goal. The busier I am, the better life is. But the question is, is more always better? Or sometimes is less actually more? What I'm gonna be talking about over the next couple of weeks is really looking at this idea that in fact, in certain instances, less is actually more the importance of rhythms. Rhythms have times of more, but also times of less. That's the very nature of rhythm, and we're gonna be talking about that. Now, we begin by looking at this tale of two sisters. Now, the setting in Luke's gospel, Jesus has just been teaching, and I'll mention those teachings in a few moments. He's just been teaching some, but then he's heading to Jerusalem. So you notice in verse 38, we read that they're on their way. He comes to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. And Luke is a little bit vague here. We know the village where they live is Bethany from other passages, but Luke is kind of minimizing the details because the details are not important. What's important is what's going to happen in the home of Martha and Mary because Luke is trying to teach us a lesson. Martha and Mary, while they are real people and this is a real event, Luke is setting them up as a pattern for us and for us to look and ask ourselves some questions. And so the big issue in this passage is the contrast between Mary and and Martha. And so I'm going to be looking at four separate contrasts here between the two sisters uh, when we do it. And what we'll do is Martha will kind of be highlighted in orange and Mary in yellow as you look at these four contrasts. So the first contrast is a contrast between quiet focus and noisy activity. Notice here that we see the quiet focus is Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. We're not told of her doing anything. She's sitting there 
ready to listen to Jesus. But Martha, on the other hand, we're told is distracted by all the preparations that have to be made. Uh, and the, the Lord says, you know, Martha, you are all worried and, and concerned about all of this. So notice <clears throat> the contrast between the two. Mary quietly sits at the Lord's feet. She's focused. Martha, on the other hand, is full of noisy activity and is basically trying to fit Jesus around her activity. I mean, if you picture this, kind of what's going on there, Mary is sitting, Martha is so busy running around, she's probably in between Jesus and Mary. She's, she's just a bustle of activity. So that's the first contrast, quiet, focused, noisy activity. Secondly, is a contrast of peaceful rest versus worried uproar. Again, notice that Mary is just sitting quietly, waiting for Jesus to speak. Martha, on the other hand, notice Jesus says a couple of things. He says, Martha, you are worried and upset. That's how the NIV has translated these two particular words. So we have Mary, a picture of peace and rest. Martha, on the other hand, is a picture of tense worry and actual uproar. The, the word worried there sometimes can mean attentive, okay? It's, it's a word that could mean you're just paying attention to something, but most often in the New Testament, it bleeds over into being worried, being uh, anxious, and that's what Jesus is doing here. Martha is trying to be attentive to preparations that need to be made, but what's really happened is she's become worried, she's become anxious. And Jesus teases this out a little bit more by saying that you are upset, this is the only time that this word is used as a verb. It's used a dozen times as a noun. But what it usually means is a commotion, an uproar, a confusion. It's even used one time when the leaders in Jerusalem are wanting to grab Jesus, and they said, but don't do it at the feast, because if we do, it'll cause a riot. That's the word that's used here. Jesus is basically saying, Martha, you're like a riot going on. You're a one-person riot that's going on around me right now, there is this uproar, this confusion. So Martha's inward state is worried about so many things, so her outward activity is confusion and bustle and just so much going on. We've been around folks who are doing that, right? That just being in their presence starts to make you anxious and worried. That's the picture of what's going on with Martha. The third difference is and it, that kind of flows from the first two. M Mary is quietly listening. Martha is anxiously commanding. Okay, so notice, Mary again is sitting at the Lord's feet to do what? To listen to what he says. But Martha, notice she comes and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So Mary is wanting to hear what Jesus thinks and says. Martha is busy telling Jesus what he ought to be thinking and what he ought to be doing. Notice the contrast between the two. Now see, this is the end result of too many distractions. When our, when our soul becomes busy, we become anxious, and what happens is we stop listening to what God says, and we start telling God what he ought to know and what he ought to do. 
Now, I'm probably talking to the wrong group because I am sure nobody in here has ever found themselves in that place, right? Where, where prayer time becomes me, rather than trying to hear from God, it becomes me pointing out to God the things he obviously doesn't know because if he did know them, he would be doing something about them differently than what he's doing, right? Do you see how this is the effect of what has happened in Martha's life? And make no mistake, it's based on the previous things because she's not quiet her soul and listening to God. What happens is as the anxiety builds, it always flows over. That anxious soul comes out into, rather than being able to hear God, telling him what he needs to know. And this all can be summarized as it's a difference between one thing and many things. So notice, again, Mary, we are told, Jesus you know, is speaking to Martha. He says, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. And notice, Mary has chosen that one thing. Mary has picked the one thing. So Mary's attention is focused with laser precision on one thing. But Martha's attention is scattered on all kinds of different things so that she can't focus on the one. And this is the root of Mary's peace and Martha's worried uproar, of Mary's ability to quietly listen and Martha's anxious questioning of Jesus and commanding God what needs to happen. So I'm gonna throw a table up between these two sisters, okay? So we got a tale of two sisters. We got Martha on the left and Mary on the right. So Martha is a person of distracted, noisy activity. Mary is a person of quiet focus. Martha in this text is worried and upset Mary is at peaceful rest. Martha is anxious and questioning God and actually telling him what he needs to do. Okay, Lord, you need to do X. Mary, on the other hand, is quietly listening to hear from God what she needs to do. And then finally, Martha is a person who is focused on many things. Mary is a person who is focused on one thing. So, you can see how different they are at this point. Let me ask a question. Which of these, if you had to pick one column to write American culture, which are we? Are we a place that values quiet focus or are we a place that likes noisy activity and the noisier the better? Okay, are we a place that is peaceful rest or are we a place that's worried and upset? Are we a place that wants to hear what God says or are we the kind of place that wants to tell God what he ought to do to meet our standards? Okay, so think through this and it's pretty obvious American culture's on the left, right? Let me ask a little bit harder question. Which one of these describes Christian culture in America? Do we build our Christian lives, do we build our churches so that they are more like Martha or Mary? Let me ask a question. What if in worship in the average American church we just let silence go for, say, two minutes? Not a word said by anybody. What would happen? I mean, first off, everybody would be looking back at the sound booth, right? Obviously, the sound went out or something. Is that not true? 
Try to just sit in silence for two minutes. It's, it's something we find very difficult. I, I think if you look, the church in America is more like Martha than we are like Mary. Let me now really meddle. If you had to write your name over one of these columns, which column is more like what I am? Which one of these, and in particular, I'm thinking of you know, these days right now, am I more like Martha or am I more like Mary? Because it's not really about, I can't control American culture. I'm not, I'm not going to be able to fix that. I can't even control the church culture in America. But what I can do is I can start to look at my own life. See, in fact, the attempt to try and control American culture makes me Martha, right? I'm gonna be running around and all involved in all kinds of things. So the question is, which column would I write my name over? And I know I'm meddling, but that's pretty much what y'all pay me to do, right? Is to, to meddle. No, just kidding. But we, we, we have to ask that question because that's what Luke wants us to do. So let's talk about Martha's problem and ours. If I find myself in that left-hand column, which I think all of us do at one time or another, what's going on here? Let me be clear. Martha's problem is not that she doesn't want Jesus, that she is rejecting Jesus, and that she is chasing evil things. There's nothing in the text that indicates that. that that's, a, that's a problem in other texts, but that's not what's going on here. Now, why do I say that? Notice in verse 38, Jesus and his disciples are on their way. They come to a village where a woman named Martha, what did she do? She opened her home to him. So see, now the type A personality in me says, well, what are, what are we critiquing here? She opened her home to Jesus, right? So she's not hostile to him. And then secondly, notice we're told that Martha's making all these preparations, but these are the preparations that one does to make the place worthy of a guest of honor. So Martha could say, I'm just doing what I've been trained to do as a good Jewish housewife. I'm preparing the house because, Lord, um, you are my guest of honor. Let me up the ante. Martha might say, you know, Jesus, here we are at the end of Luke chapter 10. If I go back, Lord, the previous section, you were asked by someone, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And you said to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. But then you added, the second is like it, which is to do what? Love your neighbor like you love. Lord, I am loving my neighbor. You've come to me, and that's what I'm doing. And in fact, if Martha had gone to seminary like I have, she might go on and point out and say, Lord, and the very next story, the one that just finished was, you were asked, and who is my neighbor? And you told one of your most famous stories ever, Lord, the parable of the Good Samaritan. I'm just being a Good Samaritan. Right? See, I know all these because I've used all these with the Lord when I'm busy being Martha. It's the danger of getting a lot of Bible knowledge. So all of those things are true. So what is the problem 
And why does Luke include this? If he's just gone through Jesus saying, look, you're talking about you know, love for God. That is number one. But love for your neighbor is right there with it. And then I've told the, this parable of the Good Samaritan. Why would Luke turn around and include this story? And only he has it. Why would he turn around and do that? Because see, Martha's problem is not that she's chasing evil, but that the good has become the enemy of the best. It's not that what she's doing is wrong, but good has become the enemy of the best. It has crowded out the best. Notice what Jesus says to her, verses 41 and 42. Martha, Martha, and you gotta hear, when the Lord speaks a name twice, in the scripture, he, he's always really trying to get somebody's attention. And, and this is not Martha, Martha, okay? Like, Marsha, Marsha. This is not that, right? This is, this is said with compassion. Martha, Martha. I mean, you can almost hear him like, slow down, stop. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary's chosen what is better and it's not going to be taken away from her. The things Martha's doing are good, but listening to Jesus is best. Yeah, Jesus on another time talked about you know, taking care of the poor, and he can say, Martha, you're going to have the rest of your life to get your house ready for gas. Jesus knows very soon he's going to be gone. And Martha, you're going to look back at this day, and you're going to wish... You had sat. What you're doing is good, but it's crowding out the best. See, and how many of us face the same problem? It is easy. Again, I'm not talking right now about evil, wicked things, okay? It's not that, well, I didn't have a quiet time this morning because I was plotting to kill my next door neighbor. That's not what's going on here. No, I didn't have a quiet time because I was serving my family or I was getting ready for work or I was doing whatever. Good things, things that I'm even called to do, but they're crowding out the best thing, which is sitting and hearing Jesus. And see, the problem in our culture is we have filled our five-pound bag of life with 10 pounds of good things. And then the problem is there's no room for the best thing in the bag. And then what we do is we try to say, well, how can I fit the best thing in here? Rather than saying, no, the best thing goes in first. And then I fill in as much as I can of other things, but they never, ever, ever interfere with the best thing. So let's very simply jump in to apply the word. It's a very simple point that we're working through this morning. And so the question is, Right now, we want to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. Am I more like Martha or Mary? And I'm not even so much thinking about over the whole course of my life. I'm just talking about where am I right now? February the 4th, 2024. Do I tend to be more like Martha or Mary? And I want to be clear. How many of us in this room are going to struggle in our lives with sliding into the Martha column? All of us, okay? That is, that is endemic to human nature, and it's particularly endemic in our culture because you and I are discipled. The air that we breathe is shove more and more and more stuff in. That's, that's where real life is lived. 
And so what ends up happening then is like Martha, we can't find time because there is so much to do. We've taken on so many different things. And we even learn very much, we're, we're taught, you know, I'm going to get to that later, but later never comes. It does not arrive here. And we can see this in a whole bunch of ways. I was at a, Linda and I were at a pastor and wives retreat last Friday night and Saturday, and we were talking about, among the pastors, we were talking about how, how few find time to really practice Sabbath and how in our culture, one of the things we say is, I'm gonna work hard, hard, hard and do all this because then retirement's gonna come down the road and that's when I'm gonna rest. But see, that's not what God said. God said every week, shut down. And then some of the people were commenting, and then when our families come to it, rather than continuing to engage, which is God's call for us in all of life, we come to this big, huge mass of what's supposed to be Sabbath, and there's actually just disappointment. People are not happy because we're not following a biblical rhythm. We, we've shoved it off into the future is what we've done. And the same thing can happen here with seeking the best. And so, again, I want us to think as we're asking this question, we're not talking about sinful things. We're talking about good things, but not the most important things. And one of the ways we can see this is, remember, the result, because Martha has an unquiet soul, that produces actions that correspond. Our bodily actions and the state of our soul go together. In fact, sometimes, you've probably never done this, but I'll confess for me, sometimes I'm not really wanting to hear the voice of Jesus because I suspect he might be telling me to change, so I just stay really, really busy because I'm afraid if I sit down, he might actually say something to me. Right? Isn't that a pitiful thing to admit? None of you have ever done that, have you? Sometimes we're, we're busy on purpose because if I get quiet and I sit, I'm afraid what might happen. And it's a real problem. We have, we have very noisy souls. And the, the practice of sitting quietly to hear from God is really, really hard. So in light of those things, the question for you and me is right now, do I find myself, if I had to pick a column, am I more like Martha or am I like Mary right now at this moment? Second question that would flow out of that, particularly for those of us who are being more like Martha right now, is where has the good crowded out the best in my life? Because the answer for Martha isn't to say, oh no, I'm a Martha. The answer is, okay, what, what, where is the good crowding out the best? Where is what you are running around and doing preventing you from sitting at my feet? What are the things you need to cut out? And for Martha, they were pretty clear. Stop running around, making all these preparations, sit and listen, do what Mary is doing the very person you are critiquing. Now, again, in 10 days, uh, starting on Ash Wednesday, many Christians around the world go into a time of Lent, which it's not important exactly what it's called, what all this, but it's a rhythm of less is more. It's a time of 
cutting back to focus. Now, again, many Christians have made this kind of silly through the years. You know, what I'm going to cut back on is I'm not going to eat green M&Ms during this time. Okay, that's, that's not the point. The point really is how can I pare back, cut back, so I can stop being Martha and I can be Mary? What, what can I cut out in my life so that, not, not just to cut it out, but so that I can focus more time on Jesus. One of the typical things is fasting from food, and we'll talk more about that next week. But what's the real point in fasting? What am I supposed to do instead of preparing and eating a meal? What's the time supposed to be given to? Right, Jesus, prayer, being in the Word. It's not, well, I cut that out, and so now I've got 30 more minutes to clean the house or to you know, do extra work or whatever else. No, it's, it's extra time that would have been given to this that I now can devote to, Lord, your servant is sitting here and I'm listening. Would you speak to me? So this, this whole idea is not about traditionalism. It's not about dead ritualism. It's looking and realizing that some ancient practices that human beings have worked on for a long time, these rhythms, they have great wisdom in them. In many cultures, you know, we followed, I've talked about this a little bit with Sabbath, but you know, historically, there was sunrise and sunset. And again, when the sun went down, what did we do? Life Life slowed down immensely because there was nothing else to do. It was becoming dark, and you only had so much light with a candle. But what do we do? I can just turn on the lights, and I can solve that problem, and I can keep going. But there's a cost. Because what God provided as a rhythm of quieting down, we now can power through. We also went through rhythms of the seasons, and there were seasons where it was downtime. There were seasons of planting. There were seasons of growth. There were seasons of harvest and celebration. All of these, and many of actually the, the things in the church year follow many of these celebrations and, and what is happening there. And so these rhythms were really, really important because human beings are made for those rhythms. We are made to have times of fasting and times of feasting. But in our culture, we just basically want to feast all the time. That's what we try to do. So we're going to, uh, what I'm asking and encouraging us to do, and part of why I'm even doing it this week, is we've got 10 days before this season would start. And I want us to take time this week to ask the Lord, what good things could I restrict or cut out for a period of 40 days to give me more time and focus to sit at Jesus' feet. Now let me throw out some possibilities. Social media. Instead of doom scrolling, right, to find out what all of the people that I barely know are really angry about, I could scroll through the Word of God. <laughs> I could spend time reading the Scripture. Okay, trying to work on that. Some people don't do social media. It may be TV, Netflix, Amazon Prime, YouTube, whatever my thing is. And again, it's not that it's evil. It's not, you know, oh Lord, forgive me, I have a Netflix account. I hope you let me into heaven. It's not what we're talking about. But what I might do is say, you know what, I'm going to do a reset. I've fallen in too easily to just clicking on the TV and watching the latest show or program or whatever else, and I'm gonna take 40 days and I'm not gonna do that at all. 
I'm going to cut that out because what I'm going to do is instead of picking up the remote, I'm going to pick up the Word of God. Or I'm going to pick up a prayer list. Or I'm going to put on some worship music and I'm going to worship. So that's another option. Another thing may be listening to the radio in the car so I can get myself nice and angry by talk radio before I get to work. Right? Maybe I cut that off and I say, you know what? I'm going to put on some worship music part of the time and then I'm going to go into prayer as I'm driving down the road. Maybe for some of us, it's reading or watching the news. There are people who are news junkies and I've just got to keep up. And today you can keep up because how, how often is the news out there now? 24 hours a day. Because see, all of these things are part of what's known as the attention economy. What, what is it that they want to keep us doing in the attention economy? Keep focused on something. I mean, they literally are basically, everything that is free is not free. They are fighting to grab your eyeballs and to keep them riveted and focused on this. And it's not that any of the things in and of themselves are bad. They're not. But it's just Jesus saying, Brett, Brett, stop doom scrolling. Stop trying to keep up with every source of news. Stop Netflixing your way through this. Whatever thing is, stop listening to talk. Sit down. What you need is to hear from me. And so there's going to be a time. I'm going to recommend to everybody to take time uh, in that 40-day span to say, I'm going to fast from something. And that might include food. I typically every year do take a day a week to fast from food which gives me extra time on that day. And then when my stomach rumbles, what's it, what is it a reminder of? You don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. But I also fast from other things so that I can put more focus on who Jesus is. And so that's the thing. We're doing the less, but the other Half of that is the more. So this week, I want to encourage us. Let's ask the Holy Spirit, what can I do less of? And what am I going to do more of? For some of us, I may already be spending a lot of time in the Word, and maybe there's something else I need to do. So here are some possibilities. It could be more time in the Word. And maybe a specific thing that says, over the 40 days, I'm going to read through one of the Gospels or several of them. One time years ago when we did this as a church, we read through all four Gospels. Every week we were reading a Gospel, and then somebody would step up front and kind of teach an overview of that Gospel. So maybe you would really, really dive into the Gospels, or I'm going to read the book of Psalms, or, or whatever it is. For some of us, again, there may already be a lot of time in the Word. Maybe I spend a lot of time in the Word, but I don't spend much time in prayer. So Lord, I'm going to, when I'm in the car, I'm going to cut the radio off and I'm going to spend time in prayer. Or instead of at night doing this, I'm going to spend time in prayer. Um, for some of us, you know, and, and the prayer I want to include, that can include putting on some worship music because our singing, I remind you when we're singing, it's not just because we all fancy ourselves to be great singers, it's prayer to God. We are actually praying to God when we do that. So that can be part of it. Some of us, it may be that there's a reset that, you know what? I get busy and I would like to gather with the church each week, but I find that challenging. 
here's a great opportunity to say, Lord, I'm cutting out and I'm gonna be there. I'm asking you by the Holy Spirit, I wanna be there every Sunday. And I'm gonna come and gather and do this. Some of us, it may even be reading a book to help us grow in the faith. If you've been around our congregation for a number of years, you may remember a few years ago I did a, uh, a teaching series called The Root Vices, where we looked at the seven root vices, and we did this during the Lent time frame. But that had actually come out of because the year before, I had cut out some stuff, and I read through a book on the seven root vices. That, that had been my time through. I gave myself extra time so I could read through this book. And the more I read through it, I was like, Lord, this is so rich. It was the second time I'd actually read it. I was like, this is so rich. Father, I think we need to learn and hear from this as a congregation. So maybe there's some book you've been wanting to read or something that you think would, would speak to your soul. So the two things we're gonna be asking the Holy Spirit to do, and I'll talk a little bit more about the, the fasting and kind of that rhythm, but it's what am I gonna do less of, and Lord, what do I need to do more of? It's just very important for us. This is that thing of rhythms. We Sometimes changing the rhythm is healthy. Um, I have, uh, in just recent weeks, I've gone through a thing where, uh, because, you know, during COVID, I stopped going to a gym. I just pivoted and started running more. But what started happening last year was I started getting more and more nagging injuries because I didn't have enough variety in what I was doing. And so I just decided and rejoined a gym like two weeks ago so that I can get more variety in what I'm doing. I'm a person who's prone to if doing it five times is good, doing it 10 times is double good, and doing it 100 times, that's what a Marine would do, okay? Until the shoulder starts popping and grinding and you can't walk anymore, right? Okay? This is what this is about. The rhythm comes up and says, maybe what you've been doing is you've worked yourself into a rut. Maybe, maybe you're reading the Word every day, but I'm reading it a particular way and I need to change something. We're gonna ask the Holy Spirit, what do I do less? What do I do more? Because Jesus, what I want is I want to sit at your feet and I want to hear. What my soul needs is to hear every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what will feed me. So I'm asking you this week to do the dangerous thing of asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you and to believe. And I'm hoping the Lord is gonna stir up again. I was with a group of pastors the other day that were, were working and praying. We had a group of guys from Baltimore come down because they've heard some of the things that's going on among pastors' prayer here. And we were sharing and being stirred up and stirring one another up in the amazing fact that God actually hears and answers our prayers. And let's be honest, we sometimes kind of forget that. Okay, the Lord wants to. Let's, let's let this be a season of the Lord speaking to us and reminding us and crying out to him and expecting the Lord to speak to me and to guide me, expecting the Lord to work in a situation. Maybe there's a thing you've been struggling with and the Lord's gonna say, I want you to do less and I want you to fast and I want you to rivet your attention on this area. Pray, study, cry out and watch me move.
That's what the Lord wants to do. So, and again, we'll talk a little bit more next week. But we're going to conclude today by coming to the Lord's table because this is a table of less is more. Have you ever noticed that at the center of our worship, we have this table, and it's immensely complex, isn't it? I mean, this is like a 20-course meal spread out here, isn't it? What, what did the Lord do? He, he stripped it down. There's nothing fancy. Simple bread and cup, because less is more. There aren't bells and whistles. It's causing us to focus in and to remember that what we need is broken body and shed blood. And what we need is for God to meet and to commune with us. And so we're going to look away from other things and we're gonna come and we're gonna ask the Lord to meet with us. And I remind you, there are many names for this sacrament, okay? And if you look in our catechism, we actually have a question that goes through and talks about them. This is known as the Lord's table. It's known as the Lord's Supper. It's known as the breaking of bread. It is known as the Eucharist or the Thanksgiving. All of those reveal an aspect about it, but one of the things we call this is communion. Because when we come here, God actually meets us. So Martha, we are all invited to the table. We're invited to come here and to hear and receive from our Lord. And I want to remind us, as we do, you're not invited to the table because you say, whoops, I'm one of the people that lined up in the Mary column this week. That doesn't give me access to the table. And if you're saying, man, I am Martha on steroids, it does not prevent you from the table. We are welcome in because this is by grace. That's the reminder we have here. And so if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, I invite you to come and to receive from the Lord. And I'm again going to go back to this passage in Luke that we've been using a lot recently. Now, you remember when Jesus was on the road to Emmaus with the disciples and he was teaching them and showing them all the scripture points to me, everything, the law, the prophets, the writings, they're all about me. And then he goes in and we read in Luke 24, 30 and 31 that when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Luke, very specifically, it's, it's these communion terms. And when he does, what happened? Their eyes were opened and they saw him and they knew who he was. We're going to come and do the exact same thing now and trust the Holy Spirit will open your eyes and you will commune with our Lord. Brothers and sisters, what I receive from the Lord, I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For as often as, uh, and after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out 
so that your sins may be forgiven. Drink from this, all of you, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup. Yes, y'all noticed I messed it up. <laughs> See, I'm completely human. <laughs> so I've done this a thousand times, right? But as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're gonna pass the elements out and I wanna encourage you, quiet your soul. Sit at the feet of the Lord and say, Lord, speak to me. Where is the good crowding out the best? Jesus, I want to see and hear you. Father, often we run to and fro seeking to provide bread and fulfillment for ourselves, but this is a gift that comes from you. So Lord, we give you thanks for your provision of our daily bread, while at the same time confessing we know that we do not live by bread alone, but by the words that come from your mouth. So like Mary, we humbly and expectantly sit at the feet of Jesus to receive his life-giving word and we receive the true bread of life from his hand now. Brothers and sisters, take and eat. Lord Jesus, we confess that we have sinned in following the devices and desires of our own heart, both in doing what we should not do and in neglecting that which you have called us to do spending our time in many pursuits, but neglecting the thing we need most, communing with you. But we thank you that though we have often neglected you, you have never neglected us. And you receive us graciously even now, cleansing our sin by the blood of Christ and meeting us here at your table. Brothers and sisters, take and drink. And let's stand together and cry out with me. Lord, like Mary, we want to sit at your feet and listen to your word. But Lord, like Martha, we have often found ourselves distracted. So knowing this, we pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon us now. Lord, we want to be filled to overflowing. Holy Spirit, stir up the hunger to know our God more. Holy Spirit, draw our attention to Jesus morning, noon, and night each day this week. Holy Spirit, speak to us as we try to discern where good things are preventing us from the best thing. Lord, we ask in the weeks ahead that we might receive a fresh, deeper experience of your presence and your living word. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, the one who is the desired of nations, 
and the deepest desire of our hearts. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace through Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed. Be a blessing. Amen. Before anyone heads out, we are going to need help here cleaning up Ronnie Younger. We'll tell everybody what needs to happen so we can get set up for the vision meeting. Encourage you, if you can at all, please stay, have a meal, and uh, participate in the vision meeting that's coming up. Look forward to seeing everybody there. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.